Hello Patriots, Joshua Lehman here with another Constitutional Minute. All right, Patriots, so today's topic of discussion is that of tax citis. Citis is a very important term and probably the most unfamiliar term to an average everyday citizen, as well as the assessor, the collector, and anybody else involved in actually assessing, levying, uh, and exacting a tax on your property. So we're going to get into the law surrounding taxes, why it's absolutely essential, and how it is determined. So let's get started. Okay, so looking at CITIS in Black's Law 6th edition, it says, the location or position of something for legal purposes, as in Lex CITIS, the law of the place where the thing in issue is situated. All right, so now that we have the definition of, of CITIS from Black's Law, if we looked into Bouvier's, all it's going to do is it's going to unpack it a little bit further and say that real estate or real property always has a fixed CITIS, while personal estate or personal property will not always have such fixed CITIS. And all that means is, by fixed CITIS, it means it doesn't move. So a chemical plant that's resting on real estate or land and in a building that you can't move, well, that CITIS is always going to be the same because it never moves from that territory, never moves from that taxable jurisdiction, right? And so therefore, that the CITIS is fixed. Now, if we move into personal property, right, let's pretend that this chemical plant has trucks and trailers that it uses to take in and deliver its product. Well, that personal property, right, which are those trucks or those trailers, when they are in business, they may not stay in that taxing jurisdiction forever. They may drive outside of that county. They may drive outside of that state and do business in other states as far as the delivery is concerned. And so therefore, that property will not have a fixed citus, but may have multiple citises based on where it's doing business. And that's when apportionment will come into play, right? And so citis is basically the law of the subject matter taking part in whatever jurisdiction, okay? So the law of the subject matter taking part in whatever jurisdiction. Another quick sidebar. So when I was researching the term citus a few months ago, I also found a definition that said uh, the place of the business or the crime. And it really kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't understand it whatsoever. But as I continued to research and understand our law and the role of government, it made perfect sense because the government has control or jurisdiction, if you will, over two specific things, regulable trade, industry, commerce, and crime, right? And so they cannot get involved somewhere unless a, a CITIS is established, right? And so when you're doing business and acquiring a license and whatnot, that will establish a business CITIS, right, or a taxable CITIS. And then if you happen to uh, commit a crime on your property, right, now you have created a CITIS for the government to come on your property and investigate said crime in order to bring justice, right? So CITIS has to be acquired in order for government to engage, period. Think of this through the lens of public and private law. Everything to do with the public is in the realm or the jurisdiction of the government. Everything to do with the private is in the realm of the people. And the Constitution is that great divide. Let's think of it as a river that separates the public from the private. And when a citus is established, that's kind of like creating a bridge over that river, allowing the public or the government jurisdiction into a specific area of the private because citus has been established. Okay, so here we're going to talk about the due process or the way the law should be followed in order to establish a tax citus and therefore um, have liability for an ad valorem property tax. 
So it says state may impose ad valorem personal property tax only if due process clause concerns are satisfied. Due process clause is satisfied when tangible personal property is taxed according to its tax situs, which is place where property is located. Okay, so this case is talking specifically about the due process requirements in order for a state to have the authority to levy a tax, an ad valorem tax, on personal property. If we take this understanding and apply it to the example of the chemical plant, which sits on real property, and then the trucks and trailers it uses to deliver its goods, which is going to be the personal property, if they're delivering something to Tennessee, they're going to likely pass through Illinois and Kentucky on their way to Tennessee. Well, the due process clause makes sure that Illinois and Kentucky don't have the right to tax that truck just because it's been seen on the roads going through there. It has to be doing business that establishes a tax situs, right? And so for apportionment concerns, at the end of the year when tax is done, if that one piece of property, that one truck and trailer has been going back and forth to Tennessee and established uh, as tax citus in Tennessee, then for that piece of property, when tax time comes, the business is going to have to apportion or show in their accounting how much business was done in Tennessee, that's liable for Tennessee tax, and how much was done in Missouri, which is liable specifically for Missouri tax. And that's the way they establish for apportionment purposes how different states have the right to tax. But it all goes back to having a taxable citus and just being somewhere does not create a taxable citus, as we'll see in the next slide. So, as we can see here in this short but very direct statement from the courts, domicile does not of itself create a tax citus. Now, some might say, Josh, why are you even bringing this up? Right? The reason is, is because when I reached out to my assessor and asked them what evidence they had that my property held taxable citus, right, in the state of Missouri, their answer was, because your property is in the state of Missouri. But this ruling clearly shows that domicile, which is higher than residence, is basically the place where you're registered to vote if you're a normal citizen, right, or where your business is headquartered. That does not in and of itself create or establish taxable citus. And what it's trying to say is, there's more to taxable citus than just being somewhere, as we're about to see. All right, so in this case, it's talking about where a Delaware corporation has tax citus, okay? So it says, tangible personal property is subject to ad valorem taxes only in the county where the property has its tax citus. Where Delaware Corporation was authorized to do business in West Virginia and held tangible property within West Virginia, the tax citus of the property was in West Virginia. All right, now let's just do one more definition of the word authorize out of Westlaw's edition two, okay? To empower another with the legal right to perform an action. Okay, so let's make this very simple. The corporation from Delaware acquired a taxable citizen in West Virginia by two means, okay? The first mean is, it was allowed or authorized to do business in West Virginia, meaning it applied for some type of license or privilege to do so, and it was granted. After that, the property had to be actually located within West Virginia doing that authorized business. These two things create the tax citus. If property is physically present in another state, and if property is deriving substantial opportunities, benefits, and protection from that other state by habitual or continuous use there, tax citus 
is established for purposes of apportionment of property taxes. Okay, so what this case did is just further expound on the situation with Delaware and West Virginia, right? The court is saying that the property has to be located in that state and authorized to do business or the way that this court describes it, deriving substantial opportunities, benefits, and protections. Not one of the three, not two of the three, but all three, okay? And the key word there is benefits, which we'll look at next. The term benefits from Hill and Hill 2005, it says any profit or acquired right or privilege primarily through a contract. And then Bouvier's 1856 says this word is used in the same sense as gains and profits. All right. So even though these definitions are pretty clear, let's go ahead and apply this scenario to our chemical plant example. All right. If anybody wants to get involved in a regulated industry like the production of chemicals, they're going to have to go to the government and apply for a license to do so. If they get granted that license, right, then now they have the privilege to do this business. And they also have the protection necessary to do this business. Otherwise, the government will come and take them or shut them down based on doing a regulated industry without regulation, right? Secondly, it gives them opportunities. What opportunities? The opportunity to make the product and engage in the business with all the potential clients. And then third, that leads to the benefits, right? Or the profits and gains. So you get the privilege of doing business, the protection from the government from doing, for doing that business, the opportunity to go around and conduct business within that industry, and then of course the gains and the profits or the benefits that come from that. And that is what they mean when they say authorized to do business or deriving substantial opportunities, benefits, and protections. Now, one quick sidebar, okay? This also explains the anomaly that I could not understand with voluntary tax compliance. Our Missouri Taxpayer Bill of Rights says that they have a system of voluntary tax compliance. Doesn't make sense to me because I never volunteered to do it. But if you decide to go and try and get some type of privilege from the government in order to do that business, you should understand that that's going to come with the taxes liable for that. So therefore, when you go under your own will, not under duress, and sign up for a privilege, get granted that privilege, and conduct business with that privilege, then obviously you volunteered to be taxed as such. Okay, so let's summarize this with a very simple statement. All property liable for taxation must be taxed according to its tax situs. Tax situs is determined or established by two things, the location of the property and deriving substantial opportunities, protections, and benefits from the taxing authority. Full stop. All right, so that's going to conclude today's video. This is Joshua Lehman reporting with Patriots with Grit. And remember that a well-educated American citizen is the most powerful individual on the face of the earth. God bless. Stay free, Mr. Citizen. Peace.